so this is the Interledger community call, bi-weekly call. It's the 24th of June call, if you're listening to the recording. Um, the agenda for today is pretty open. Um, we haven't had a lot of input on the forums. If you're interested in um, contributing to the agenda, we track it on forum.interledger.org. Uh, and that's where we decide what to discuss on the bi-weekly call. Um, so I've put Brandon on the spot and he's uh, agreed to give us an update on what's happening at the Codius project. So we're going to discuss that a bit. And then uh, if there's any other business, um, we'll pick that up. So Brandon, I'll hand it over to you. Thanks. Thanks. Um, so for the last while, um, some work's been being done on Codius to switch it over to be very Kubernetes based. Um, for a quick background, um, Codius is a, a, a kind of different approach to hosting uh, that was kind of inspired by smart contracts. Um, it doesn't have a blockchain. It lets you deploy some code to a hosting provider. Um, and that hosting provider will attest publicly to the exact code that's being run at a URL. Um, and uh, that, that can give you some guarantees to being able to trust a, some code. If you trust a host, you can trust the code running there. You could deploy across some number of hosts um, to get even more certainty. Um, and uh, one way to make Codius work is to be able to pay hosts with interledger payments. Um, so that's, that's why Codius is relevant to this call. Um, and so as I said, uh, it's being moved over to Kubernetes. Uh, you'll be able to uh, deploy a, a custom Kubernetes resource, a, a Codius service, um, and you'll be able to pay uh, with an interledger payment. Uh, right now, the easiest way is going to be with uh, web monetization. Um, uh, a Codius host will have a, like a, a web page that is web monetized. Um, if payments are received on that, that web page session, uh, then it'll show you a, a cube uh, control command to uh, submit to deploy something to the host and it'll include a token that's actually going to be tied to a balance where the web monetization payments are going. Um, and a key part of this is the Codius host is using the new stream receipts in order to verify the payments. Um, so when someone visits this Codius host homepage, they're, they're making web monetization payments. The, the Codius host wallet will be sending back stream receipts to the, web mon the user's web monetization provider. The web monetization provider passes those receipts in uh, these web monetization progress uh, browser events. And then the site, uh, the Codius host site submits, like kind of verifies the receipt and it's able to um, credit the balance for this token of the user. Um, and things are getting pretty close uh, to being usable. Um, we're, we're still kind of waiting for um, some more wallets to update, more or less just update their SPSP servers um, to support stream receipts. Um, GitHub is already working 
Uh, I'm, I'm not sure offhand if anyone else is quite yet, um, but I know that they're aware. Um, that that might be about all. Happy to take any questions. That sounds cool. Um, well, quick one to start you off. So if I visit a, um, is, is a contract on Codia still basically a Docker container? So if I want to upload a contract to Codia's host, I'm uploading basically a Docker container and a manifest, right? Yes, that's correct. It, it'll end up running as a, as a pod on the Kubernetes cluster. So it can actually be one or more containers. Okay. Cool. And then, and then how does the payment flow work? So if a user visits my service or my contract, um, the money is streamed where directly to me or to the host or how does it work? Yeah. So I guess I actually left out the, I, I explained one part of how you pay to deploy something to a host. Um, and then hosts are also going to be able to charge people to make requests to services running on the host. Um, and basically how that works is if someone tries to navigate to a service on the host and the balance for that service is insufficient, uh, the host will send them to kind of a, a balance reloading page, which is again, web monetized. Uh, so web monetized visitor will be able to help top up the balance for that service. And then, um, they'll be able to continue on to the actual service. Um, and once again, that will be using stream receipts being passed all the way from the, the host wallet to the web monetization provider uh, in with the monetization progress event to the host's site uh, where they can verify it and credit the balance for the service. Okay. Uh, maybe I'm being dumb. How, how does money get to the contract owner or is it just between the user and the host yeah i i didn't answer that question well um so basically if a if someone who deploys a service to a codius host once they can web monetize whatever they have running on the host um okay. Okay. as of right now so there's the users of the service automatically pay for the services hosting if if needed or, or they're automatically paying the host if they try and visit the service and the the host the and the the account is empty then they'll get redirected to a page which collects money um for the host and and adds extra hosting time for the service correct yeah but there as of right now there's not a way for um someone to specify to a host hey i i'd like a cut i'd like you to web monetize um what i'm deploying in order for me to also get a cut of it um but that that's something that's possible um and then as of right now it's mostly web monetization based but um as we get open payments uh working uh mandates become an option for easy uh balance refilling um yeah it Okay. I guess it, it's kind of neat the different options we have within our ledger for, for how to uh, reliably pay for something to run perpetually. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that sounds cool. So so um so current status is waiting for ubiquity of um, stream receipts amongst wallets 
basically. Yes. And I mean, I, I still have more work to do. I'm not, I'm not just sitting <laughs> on my hands waiting for that. <laughs> any, any other questions for Brandon on, on Codius or any other um, Codius related stuff anyone wanted to discuss? Yeah, so uh, Brandon, I just want to say congrats. Like I, I managed to use the basic like uh, just that explained how to deploy the, the dem Andres's demo thing. And it was pretty cool, um, like how quickly it worked. Um, so I like the one question I had was like, is it envisioned like if I deploy a site to a Codius host that I would somehow have that contract's payment pointer um, to embed in that site so it could pay for itself while I'm viewing it if it was a website? Because uh, like it was weird that like it took me a while to work out there was like a payment page and then there was the actual application running. Um, so like, how did you envision that working? Yeah, so one option is a host could automatically web monetize the, the service. They like inject the, the host's particular payment pointer into the HTML, assuming that the service is serving HTML. Um, another option that, that Ben pointed out is someone could deploy a service onto a host that automatically that other services could use to auto web monetize their own services. Like it, the host could do it, or you could just depend on some other service to do it. Um, and I, I think I in fact saw uh, what got me onto that idea was there's the, the grant for the web hackathon submissions for web monetization projects. And uh, someone had submitted an idea for, um, like in injecting payment pointers into HTML to, to auto web monetize things. Um, so that, that's definitely an option for Podia services. Cool, awesome. That, that, yeah, that would really be cool. And then like the second thing that I, like I, I wanted to ask is, is the idea that I would deploy to a single Codius host and then use that sort of do like a C name or an alias to my domain uh, to like use it. So like the thing I'm thinking of is, is the, is the old idea where it was like some weird hash of the actual underlying code that that could be used ubiquitously over like the sort of Codius network um, like gone. And now it's just that like I deployed as if I deployed it to an AWS server and that would be my host and they would manage the underlying running of it but I would only ever sort of point to one. Um, yeah, so, so previously, uh, it, if you deployed a service, it would be available at the host at a URL of a hash of the service dot the Codius host's host name. Um, and now it's, it's possible to like, just pick a name for your service and that's used as a subdomain instead. Um, so yeah, it like you can, if you're, you're happy with the subdomain that the Codius host offers you, then you're good to go. Um, I, I might also still keep the, the hash as a subdomain as an option. So if someone's like, Hey, I want a immutable version of this service. Uh, I'll just always use that. Um, but then someone could, you know, if they don't want the, the host name and the URL at all. Just uh, update their own DNS to point at it. Um, 
Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. So, so like the idea would be like, I, I would like use DigitalOcean and instead of deploying to DigitalOcean um, or like Cloudflare workers, I can just deploy to a singular Codius host and that would be my host of that um, Docker container. Yes. Yeah, okay. And then like the obvious question is, what do you think the first like killer app is on Codius? Uh, I don't know. I, I've, I've been working on Codius a while and I feel like I, I, I put an inordinately low amount of thought into the use cases. Um, just, just cause I know there's going to be enough. Uh, one that keeps coming up is a uh, probabilistic rev share, uh, for web monetization, like to have a service that, um, uh, can, people can trust to split up web monetization payments among multiple parties. Um, that that's a low hanging fruit use case. That comes to well, mind. One use case that came up recently was, if you have an open source project, like for instance, um, you know, Coil, we have various browser extensions and we're working on mobile apps um, and all of those uh, will be open source. And so um, we, it would be nice if people could trust the binaries that we put out for like Android and stuff. And so one way to do that is to have deterministic builds. And we were thinking like you could even have deterministic builds on Codius so that you don't even have to trust whoever uploads the code, but rather you just trust that the hosts that sign the code binaries, you know, are building it correctly. And if you have enough of those hosts, you can trust that. Um, of course, you still need to trust the code itself, but you know, if the source tree that the binary is generated from is signed, then people can review that source tree for themselves if they want. Um, Stefan, I mean, it's been a while since we talked about Codius. So, so for anyone who's sort of just getting on top of this, um, Codius was a project that came kind of in parallel, or in fact, pre, it was a precursor to Interledger. And a lot yeah, it of, motivated Interledger. A lot of reasons Interledger exists exactly was to solve for a problem that Codius highlighted with existing smart contract systems. And that is that, you know, you're buying into a platform and the currency and so on. And like what you want is sort of ubiquity of the payments rails, which is what Interledger gives you. Um, do you want to maybe mention, Stefan, for anyone who's just sort of new, understanding Codius or getting to their heads around it? I mean, Brandon's explained like the technical basis of how it works, but how does that allow you to build a smart contract per se? How do you get to build something where you don't have to trust anyone? Yeah, so... Um, the way I would describe it is, you know, Codius very much came uh, on the backdrop of, you know, smart contracts and blockchains and how people are trying to solve those problems. And to me, that approach of having a database, essentially, like what, what is a blockchain? It's essentially a database. And having all your code run inside of your database um, reminded me of sort of the pre, you know, three-tier architecture you have the mainframe that has your data and it also runs your business logic kind of uh, approach. And we've pretty much completely moved away from that in the, in, in the engineering world, in the software engineering world, because um, it just ends up, you have some set of data that's on one database and then you have another set of data that's on another database. And sometimes you have business logic that needs to refer to each other. And so that becomes a nightmare when 
you know, the different systems can only run code that talks that, that looks at its own data and how do you make them talk to each other and it gets very complicated very quickly. And one of the things that makes it difficult to have code that's running in your database, look at another database or talk to another database is because that becomes sort of a non-deterministic asynchronous call and that can really mess things up. Um, and so what people started to do instead is to say like, okay, well, we're gonna have non-determinism anyway. So we may as well put our business logic outside of the database and calling into different databases. And that's how most things work now. And so when you're trying to decentralize the world, you know, I think that the kind of blockchain or Ethereum type approach, um, which by the way is also where, where our experiments started. Like we, we built a smart contracts engine into XRP Ledger as our first sort of experiment uh, back in 2012, 13. Um, and so, uh, but, but, but it's just not a very scalable, flexible, practical way of doing things because you run into big scalability issues with your database. Um, and to the extent that they're solvable, they're still adding a lot of complexity in order to solve them. Um, and so what Codius proposes instead is to have something more like the, like what you would call a microservice or, or a web service where you have these stateless services and they can talk to each other and they can talk to blockchains and they can talk to centralized services and they can talk to, um, you know, databases that are hosted on Codius, which I can get into. Um, and, and otherwise they're, they're, they're pretty stateless. And so that makes it much easier to have a large architecture of lots of these services kind of wired together. So that's kind of the, the higher level picture. And then if you zoom in um, each individual service, if you don't trust a given host, which, you know, one of the things we realized pretty early on in the process is that for a lot of use cases, trusting the host is actually completely sufficient. Like if I'm trying to um, sell my Toyota Corolla and the host is Amazon, like I'm not so worried that Amazon is going to, you know, steal my Corolla, you know, but for a lot of use cases, you do need that extra security. So how do you do that? Well, you know, at the end of the day, any blockchain or any kind of decentralization based approach is going to come down to some kind of threshold. Like you have a number of nodes that are acting as the trusted nodes, whether they're miners or validators or whatever you want to call them. And we basically said like, well, whoever is uploading the contract or whoever's setting up the contract is probably the person uh, or persons who are in the best position to decide what hosts they want to trust, um, what sort of, diversity that you need for their use case. Like some use cases might require geographic diversity. Some might require political diversity. Some might require, um, you know, just anonymity or like whatever the case may be. And they also will have a good, better sense of like how much decentralization they need. So do they need one host or three or five or 11 or, you know, some larger number. Um, and so with Codius, you can architect your software to the security level that you need. And then, it ended up being like just a really nice way of doing hosting, right? Like rather than having to sign up for, you know, Google cloud with my credit card and then be locked in to do everything on Google cloud. Like I can use Codius and any hosting company that wants to can implement the Codius API. And I can now upload to their service just as easily as I can to the service for the hosts that I'm currently using. So it's almost like standardizing hosting, if you will. So that's kind of my quick Codius intro. So, so if you want to do some sort of like 
consensus-based thing where you deploy the same contract to a bunch of hosts and then take consensus. You would do that um, as the client. You would do that kind of outside of the Codia system itself. Yeah, so Codia host is just a server or, or a, a sort of a one a hosting company server cluster. Um, and I can upload a container in the sense of a Docker container. I can upload a container to that. Um, and it'll run that. And so given that it'll attest to what it's running, I can then make a distributed application where each host attests that they're running it. Um, and as long as that host is not malicious, then I know that they are actually running the code that I uploaded. And so the, the security model for decentralized applications is already that the hosts, a certain threshold of hosts are honest, right? They're like a certain number of hosts are honest. And so by them attesting to that's the code that I'm running, if my algorithm tolerates a certain number of failures and no more than that number of hosts are, are malicious, then I can trust the outcome of the application. And that can be, again, like a signature, like a threshold signature um, to authorize something, or it can be a consensus protocol. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I mean, so it sounds like the next kind of one of the steps to achieve that would be some sort of tooling outside of Codius that allows you to sort of deploy a contract to multiple hosts, execute some consensus algorithm against the output of all of them and give you a sort of consensus result or something like that. Yeah, so we, we actually, when we were working on previous iterations of Codius, we built some of that tooling already. So that would need to be kind of updated, modernized. Um, but I also like my personal interest isn't really on the smart contract aspect anymore. Like I'm just, more interested in just using Codius to host like my personal website or some web app or something like that. So like not even using it in the context of decentralization or maybe not even using the attestation feature, but just using it as a really fast, easy hosting platform. Mm, cool. Cool. Any, any other yeah. questions on Codius guys? Anyone else? Sorry, I interrupted. I think it was you, Matt, go for it. Yeah, yeah, like I, like, I mean, Stefan did mention this in our, in our internal talks about Codius before, but like something with the future iterations of Codius you can see is basically like this distributed network, almost like Cloudflare workers, where like it basically could have CDN type caching at like closest to the user. And you, because it spins down to zero, you can basically like get to the point where you, you users will always get that uh, like stateless application pretty quickly and easily and it's only charging for the use um the one sort of comment or question i had maybe for people here is um uh, is codius going to build out some of the tooling for hosts i don't even know what it is now because i've only seen it from the, the, the deploying side um to like understand are they making money how like how's that working um and how to get started as a host to start actually making money by being sort of like a an open provider i think that's for brandon the question yeah, I was going to say, like, we're going to need more Brandons if we want to build out that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's just a resource question, right? Like right now we have one developer who's working on this project and then like some of us are, you know, probably would jump in and, and, and build things for it if it, when it launches. Um, but uh, yeah, it's kind of a matter of how many people in the community jump in and, and build stuff because uh, the scope is near unlimited for this project. So. It's, we can we can put the basics together, but um, depends on the community if they want to run with it. 
Do you think, I mean, Stefan, do you think it makes sense for an existing hosting company like uh, DigitalOcean or someone like that to adopt Codius as a, a technology stack that they support? Like, I mean, would they do this in parallel to what they're already doing just as another way of hosting stuff within? Is that something we, we explore? Yeah, I mean, you know, before AWS, um, you know, most people were hosting their stuff with these very small hosting companies. And I, I, I don't have any hard numbers, but my sort of gut feeling and sense is that they've been squeezed quite hard by everybody moving to the cloud and moving to, to AWS and those kinds of providers. Um, and so the way I would, you know, frame this project to them is like, hey, here's a way that you can provide some of the benefits that people get from a larger provider, um, such as the global reach and things like that, but actually have some additional benefits that the large provider can't give you, like having independence and autonomy and standardization um, and things like that. And so I think it could potentially be a tool that evens the playing field in the hosting industry a little bit. And for similar reasons as like web monetization levels the playing field in the content industry, because it's just lowering barriers to entry. Yeah. Okay, cool. Sorry, Brandon. I think I might've interrupted you having a chance to talk a bit about hosting tooling. <laughs> uh, I think, I think Stefan's description that it, it's just an, uh, another item on a long list of possible things to add. Um, right now there's, there's not a way for hosts to uh, easily publicly share how much money they're making. Um, yeah, that, I think that's all. So, so I, I saw you posted a link to the GitHub um, org. Um, is everything in there? What's the what's the best project for someone to dive into um, if they wanted to get involved in contributing or helping out? I know we there was a bunch of stuff there previously, like CodeSD. That's maybe old iterations of things. Um, is now a good time? Is it is it ready for new contributors? I'd say so. Yeah, I'd be very happy. Uh, if anyone was interested in uh, contributing, what's and the, I'm going to post what, in the what chat. Sort of, what, uh, sort of, um, what sort of like things would people need to be able to do to contribute? I mean, are we look, talking about documentation? Is there um, sort of specific components that need to be built? What languages are you building stuff in? Um, any insights there? And the sort of what 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 are the what what's a contributor profile that would be ideal at the moment? Uh, definitely, if someone has experience with Golang uh, and or Kubernetes uh, client work, um, a lot of this stuff is ending up in a uh, Kubernetes uh, operator that's kind of using the uh, cube builder scaffolding. Um, that, yeah, that's where a lot of the coders host functionality is going to be. So if that's... Uh, within anyone's area of expertise, uh, your help would be really appreciated. Cool, any, any other questions for Brandon? Uh, any other questions around Codius while we've got Stefan here as well? Well, just a note that like the, I would say the only reason Codius still exists is, is um, because of Brandon's tireless efforts to keep it alive and keep it going. And, um, it's definitely been one of the projects that we've gotten the most inbound interest and we've just never been able to um, to deliver on that. So I'm pretty excited with this latest iteration we finally might be able to.
Yeah, uh, I must say when we when like the the previous iteration went live, um, it was pretty awesome to see the community get on board and 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 build like some pretty crazy stuff on top of it. Um, I'm hoping we get at least a little bit of that again. I, I realize that things sort of petered out a little bit, but maybe that, you know, we've, we fixed and solved some of the problems that we had that time around that, that will make this a little bit easier to get into and, and um, give it a bit more longevity. That's actually something interesting we should talk about quickly. Like what are some of the changes versus the last release um, for the people that were around back then? Um, the biggest one that I can think of is with the last release, um, you would upload a contract. If you weren't proactively paying for it, it would run out of money and die. Um, and so in this release, it's integrated with web monetization. So it can still run out of money, but if you are yourself web monetized, that will restart the contract and we'll make sure it's available. So anyone who is web monetization enabled, whether they're a coil member or hopefully in the future other providers, um, we'll never see a contract being just de dead. And so like one of the problems with the last Codius release was that, you know, you would go on Twitter and people would be like, hey, I made a contract and here's a link and you click it and it's just a 404 page because the contract ran out of money since that tweet was posted. And so uh, hopefully, I mean, that, that took so much momentum out of the, um, out of the project. And I think this time this, this will be fixed. Uh, Brandon, any other things that you'd highlight as like big changes? Yeah, uh, a big one is previously both Codius hosts and anyone wanting to deploy to a host had to be running MoneyD. Um, and now it's just if you're a host, all you need is a payment pointer. If you want to use it, all you need is a web monetization provider. Um, with open payments, the web monetization provider can probably be swapped out for um, some, some other way for them to uh, use the features of their own wallet. Um, but it, yeah, being able to strip out the, the money D parts, I feel like is making for a much easier experience for everyone. And then we, we already mentioned the scaling to zero. So with the previous one, you would launch this contract and it would get like almost no page views, but it would have to be consistently running. And, and so it was consistently burning quite a bit of money. And so with the latest version, I believe it can scale to zero. Is that right, Brandon? It, it's close to being able to, but it's, it's, uh, the design is there for it to be able to. Cool. And then the last thing is when you were setting up a host, I think the certificate stuff was really annoying and complicated. Um, is that any different in this release? Yeah, uh, it's the, the Codius host install script uh, uses a thing that, someone made called Acme DNS, which uh, lets you auto renew wildcard let's encrypt certificates, uh, which like normally you have, you have to update your DNS TXT records, but this will take care of it for you. Um, so host should be good forever. Yeah, and you can also expect that like we'll do some kind of launch when we feel like it's reasonably polished and we want people to play with it. You'll probably get, you know, coil reaching out through our Twitter feed and, and through my personal and Brandon's personal uh, to say, look, this is ready for another round and probably make a little blog post to explain how to get started and stuff. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that's exciting. So, so we're getting early preview. <laughs> that's uh 
That's awesome. I, I, I must say, I remember the DNS thing being a massive pain in the ass. I still own Codius.Africa. I'll have my, uh, my African edge nerd Codius host up and running soon. Um, but I'll wait for you to iron out all the gremlins, Brandon. <laughs> um, Sounds good. Any other, um, any other topics anyone wanted to cover today? Um, we've, we've spent, you know, almost 40 minutes on, 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 uh, Codius. It was great to get an update, but we haven't got anything else on the agenda. So, um, anyone have a last minute topic they wanted to chat about? I can give a quick update on intelligent.org. Yeah, great. Um, so just, this is super administrative, but I feel like it'd be nice for this group to know. So, um, as you may or may not know, there's been an entity that's been created called the Intelligent Foundation. Um, this entity has applied for a nonprofit status, which is currently being reviewed by the IRS. Um, it is a US-based entity, I believe it's in Delaware. Um, and the idea is that it can be a, a vehicle to hold some of the IP. Um, and uh, the initial funding uh, so far has been provided by COIL, but um, we've got sort of verbal okay from two other companies maybe guess who they are but <laughs> I, I, I can't uh, publicly say it um who are also willing to help fund the foundation um and so that's enough to kind of get it started and um we've started the search for an executive director um we actually already got to uh, final selection so assuming that person uh, accepts their offer we'll be able to announce the director soon have the board confirm them um, the board, as a quick reminder, the board is com currently composed of um, Evan and myself as the authors of the white paper, um, Chris Larson to represent Ripple, um, Costa Peric to, to represent the Gates Foundation, um, and then Mahabahu, who's uh, the head of the Jordanian payments company, which is part of the Jordanian um, uh, central bank, and she's just a really, really awesome payments expert that we're lucky to have. Um, participating as well and uh, probably board will evolve as we have more members joining and things like that but um, I'm still pretty proud to have uh, such a illustrious board to start with um, and then as promised some updates on intelligent.org so the domain has been transferred to the foundation so the foundation now owns intelligent.org um, and then also um, a lot of the intellectual property that was previously at Ripple um, such as patents and trademarks and things like that are being transferred over. Um, and so, yeah, um, hopefully nothing went down yesterday. I switched over the DNS for intelligent.org. Um, hopefully nobody noticed anything. Hopefully everything works the same it did before, but if not, please let us know and we'll fix it in a time, timely fashion. So yeah, that's my update. Cool. Thanks, Stefan. Yeah, we, we've, we've mentioned, we've had a few updates on ILF uh, over the last few months, and it's nice to see that that's finally like almost closed. Um, I know on the interledger.org topic, we've talked about maybe having a fresh look at the website and, um, you know, the content there and, and giving it a refresh, simplifying it and, and, you know, looking at it through the lens of where the network is today and, and the protocol and adjacent protocols as well, like open payments. Um, so that'll be an exciting project, I think, to kick off once we have an ED to steer the ship. I think it's been difficult to get that done as a community effort, just because I think it's quite a sizable one. Um, it, it needs some, some steering. 
Um, so looking forward to, to doing that. Um, any other questions, thoughts on Interledger Foundation? If there aren't any, I, I will um, kind of give people a pointer. If you have any ideas for what the foundation should do, um, should not do, stay out of, things like that, um, please feel free to post it in the Intelligent Forum. We'll definitely pay attention to that and take that feedback on board. Okay. Um, in the absence of any other topics, I think we can we can potentially end the call here. So final call for anything else that anyone wants to discuss. Otherwise, um, I see some of our friends from Spring are on the call. Um, I don't know if people saw their announcement last week with Pay ID. Um, I assume David, uh, um, you guys will be all part of the um, part of the developer event tomorrow. Um, so if anyone's interested, uh, the payid.org, there's some info there and, and there's a developer event tomorrow. Interested to see where that goes as well. Okay, well, thanks everyone. We'll, um, I'll get the recording um, to Sabine as soon as possible and it'll be up on SoundCloud if you wanna share with anyone who didn't make the call this week. Next call will be in two weeks time, which puts us at, let me just see, the 8th of July. Uh, so. We'll chat again, 8th of July, same time, same place. In the meantime, enjoy playing with Codius. Thanks very much. Thank you, Adrian. Ciao.